Amen. Amen. I, I, I feel uh, divine direction for what to say. Um, I just don't, I don't know necessarily how I'm going to say it, but I know what I want to say. and I know what the Lord wants me to say. Amen. This may be, be like a Bible study today. Would that be all right? I think we always need to study the word and the word of a king is there is power. Amen. So I'm not exactly for sure how this is all going to come out, but I do believe the Lord would desire to speak to hearts and he would desire to speak to lives. And when he's done, I believe something powerful is going to happen in this place today. Amen. We've, we've seen many miracles happen this week. I believe we have seen many miracles. How many can testify that you received a miracle in your body, your life this week? Oh, hallelujah. We thank the Lord for it. We thank the Lord for it. We thank the Lord for it. Amen. And I believe, and, and I'll have you be seated in just a minute, but I believe that at the conclusion of this service today, I believe the miraculous supernatural touch from the Lord is going to be present and available in this room yet again today. But I, I believe that he would desire to give us uh, some revelation about his working and some understanding about how he works so that the miraculous is not something that we just uh, tap into every once in a while, but so that the miraculous is a dimension that we live in. Somebody said amen. It's not just something that we experience on a Thursday service or a Sunday service, but it is a dimension that we live in. Somebody said amen. Amen. I've started preaching. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's a dimension. How many want to live in the dimension of the miraculous? Come on, really, you want to live in that dimension of the miraculous. The book would say it like this in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils and shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And from this context, from these verses of Scripture, we see that the miraculous is not something that we should be pursuing, but rather the miraculous should be that which pursues after us. These signs shall follow them that believe. And so I think sometimes we, we have a, a, a misconception and a misunderstanding, and I think God's going to help us with this today, uh, that we are kind of pursuing the miraculous. We are wanting the miraculous. We are seeking after the miraculous. But that's not how uh, it has been established in God's word to work. He said, these, these signs shall follow you. You see the difference? The miraculous is to simply be made manifest. It is to be made known in places that we have been. These signs shall follow wherever we are, wherever we've been, whatever room we operate in. The miraculous is present and available in that room, not because of who we are, but because of the power of the Holy Ghost that is at work within us. Am I right about it? 
So we understand that wherever our person is, physical person, we understand we are more than just a physical being, but we are, uh, we have living on the inside of us the God who has creative, miraculous, dunamis, supernatural power. And he desires to then, and he has given us that power at our receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost, but he has also given us the authority to use that power to operate in those dimensions of the miraculous in a way that they should just be natural to the apostolic believer. Hallelujah. Supernatural should be natural. The miraculous should be natural to the apostolic believer. And we're on a journey here now. We're on a journey. I'm not there yet. Maybe you are, but I'm not there yet. I want to get to that place, Brother Ron, where the miraculous happens and the supernatural happens readily in my life. Anybody want to be at that place? And how many know it is for everybody? It's not just for a few people. It's not just for the Brother T.L. Smiths. It's not just for the Billy Coles. It's not just for some of these people, but it's for everybody. How many know if you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's the will of God for you to operate in the working of miracles and the supernatural giftings and signs and wonders and the gifts of the Spirit to operate. If you have the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit should operate in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And so we understand that the gifts should follow. The miraculous should follow. And so it is that that, that God... Uh, I believe began to deal with me and there was something that uh, uh, was unlocked in my spirit Wednesday night and Thursday night and there was something unlocked in my mind and in my heart and in talking with Brother Smith during the day and after church and as he began to speak and the Lord began to move, something was unlocked in, in me and I'm thankful for it and I'm, I'm, I've begun a journey and, and I believe uh, and I might... Uh, Speak about it in a minute, but I, uh, I, I, as the Lord is revealing to us that maybe we've already been on the journey, we just didn't know it. Oh, hallelujah. And how many know when God does a thing, he does a line upon line and here a little and there a little. And you don't always know where you're headed when you're heading there. But if you stop and you turn around, you realize, okay, now it makes sense why this and why this and why this. And, and as some things were unlocked in my spirit, in my heart on Wednesday and Thursday, I believe the Lord has begun to speak to me and show me why things in the last couple of months have been happening the way they've been happening. Because he is systematically leading us, not just as an individual, but as a church, to this dimension of the supernatural and this dimension of the miraculous that he desires for the New Testament and church to operate in, obviously under the authority of him and on the foundation of the word of the Lord. But here's my thing, if it is promised to the New Testament church, and if I'm a part of the New Testament church, then I want everything that's been promised to us. I don't want to come behind in no gift. I want everything God has for us. I don't want to live in a percentage of blessing. I don't want to live in a percentage of the promises of God, but I want everything. I want this church to operate in all dimensions of the spirit and all dimensions of the power of the most high God endued with power from on high to be who we've been called to be. 
Come on, if that's the way you feel, shout amen. And so, I believe the Lord these last couple days since our revival, the Lord has began to deal with me about a particular principle uh, that he would want for me to discuss in your hearing today. And I believe this principle, though it may not be new to uh, many in the room today, it is a principle that must be established in our hearts and in our lives in order to get us to that place where the miraculous follows us and where the supernatural is at work in us. How many want it? And the thing that I felt him wanting to reveal to us is that there is a difference between having a God conscience and being God fearing. I want to talk today about the fear of the Lord. There's a difference between having a God consciousness and being God-fearing. Now, you need to stay with me, all right? I don't have time, or, or let me back up. The, the truth is this. You can be aware of God, and you can be aware of what God can do and not have a fear of the Lord. I don't have time to explain the context of these verses, but the Lord would speak of those who had a God consciousness but did not fear the Lord when it says this in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 28. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They were aware enough about him to call on. They were conscious enough about his person and his presence to seek after him in some dimension and some form, but they never made the decision to have the fear of the Lord in their lives and in their hearts. And when the Bible speaks of fearing God or having a fear of the Lord, it does not mean that we are afraid of him. But rather to fear God is to have an awesome respect, an awesome reverence birthed out of our understanding of the greatness and the power of God. Does that make sense? A reverence and awe an overwhelming understanding of his might and of his glory. It is the fear of God. When we understand how powerful he is, we should respect him. When we understand how big he really is, we should revere him. When, he, when we understand that he controls all things and knows all things and sees all things, it should fill us with this great awe and this great respect in this great wonder, humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, the fear of the Lord. Speaking of the Lord, the book would say it like this in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12. Speaking of God, it said, 
who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. All of the oceans, he can measure it in the hollow of his hand. And he meted out heaven with the span. The span is from the tip of your pinky to the tip of your thumb. And he measures the heavens. Comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. All of the dust of the earth, he can measure it. Weighed the mountains in scales. The hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? The inference there is nobody taught him anything. He's God all by himself. With whom took he counsel? He don't counsel with anybody. He is all wise God. Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Take all the nations together, said it's like a drop in the bucket to him. Behold, he taketh up the islands as a very little thing. All of the islands he could just. Verse 17, all nations before him are as nothing. And they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom will ye liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? There's nobody like him. Verse 22, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth he bringeth the princes, these people that we lift up and establish and exalt on earth. He said, he bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as nothing more than vanity. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. The reading and the understanding of our God should bring with it this understanding of what we read should bring with it a great fear of the Lord. It should bring with it a great reverence for his might. It should bring with it a great understanding of his power. It should bring with it a great submission to the authority of who he is. It's not enough that we just know that God is. We must live our lives in such a way as to show forth our reverence of who he is. Oh, hallelujah. This call is going forth today to those who would live out your life in such a way that would say, oh, I believe in God. I, I know God is real. I know the Bible is the word of the Lord. And yet they live like the world and act like the world, and talk like the world, and think like the world, and do like the world. They say God is real, but they don't listen to this God that they say is real. They say God is real, but they do not obey this God that they say is real. They say God is real, but they do not submit their lives, their families, their hearts to this God that they say is real.
have a God consciousness. But they do not have a fear of the Lord. They do not have a reverence for who they say God to be. This is not what God would desire from any of us. I said this is not what God would desire from any of us. Now, a life, thank you for listening so intently today, a life that is merely God conscience is a life that is, hear me, I need, I need your minds. A life that is merely God conscious is a life that is simply reactionary to the circumstances that they are currently facing at that moment. Let me explain. This is why, for those of you, it's crazy to think now that the tragedies of 9-11 happened so many years ago. Several in the room weren't even born. But those of us that were, what a tragic day that was. And you will remember it, that the days and a few weeks afterwards, everybody was talking about God. Everybody was talking about prayer. Churches all over the country were opening their doors and people were flocking to the churches. But you give it about a month and nobody was talking about God anymore. Same thing happened with the tragedy in Las Vegas and the shootings and all of that. Poster boards and billboards, pray, pray for Las Vegas, pray for Las Vegas. You don't see those billboards anymore. Anytime a tragedy happens in a nation, you'll see all this talk and hear all of this talk of praying for this or praying for that, but just give it a little time and all that talk of God goes away. And as it is in the nation, it's because it is a collective reaction of what is happening in an individual life. Because so many individuals have a God consciousness, but they do not fear the Lord. Because merely being God conscience, conscious is to only desire the Lord when we need him to fix something. When we're going through tragedy, when we're going through hardship, when we're going through struggle, when we're going through dark days, we turn to the Lord because we want him to fix it, help us, mend us, heal us. And we need to understand that those who are living solely based on this, this base level of just a God consciousness are found outside of the church, but also inside of the church. Now, I'm not here to beat anybody up today. I promise you, God's trying to give us some revelation because he wants to open some doors in this church that previously have not been opened due to our ignorance. For do we truly reverence him, fear him, 
submit to him, esteem him, listen to him, obey him, bow to him, serve him, live for him every day of our life? Or do we just pray our way into his presence when the circumstances of our life are not going the way we want them to go? Only faithful to church as long as the trial is going on. But once God has fixed the trial and made a way out of no way, then we begin to find so many excuses for why we can't attend the house of the Lord. We make so many promises to God. I feel the Holy Ghost. We make so many promises to God when trying to get him to do something for us. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And God, if you'll answer this prayer, I promise this and I promise that. But once he does that which we desire for him to do, we forget all about the promises that we made to him. The reason is because we have a God consciousness, but we do not have the fear of the Lord. It's an understanding of if I make God a promise, if you got the fear of God in you, there's no way you would ever want to break the promise that you made to the Lord. And so it is that it doesn't matter. We can flippantly break promise after promise as long as we get what we wanted from God. What does it matter if I live how I want to live? What does it matter if I'm not faithful to the house of God? What does it matter if I'm not obedient to the word of the Lord? What does it matter if I'm not accomplishing that which God had called me to accomplish and spoke to me to accomplish? It doesn't matter because there's no thought in my mind of any of these things being displeasing to God because I do not have a fear of the Lord on the inside of me. It's about what I want. It's about what I feel. It's about what I think. It's about him helping me in my time of need and him blessing me and him being Jehovah Jireh and me getting the check in the mail and me having enough. And So I want us all to listen up very carefully today. For if we're going to see what God truly desires for us to see, then we need to develop a greater fear of the Lord. The book would say it like this. Again, give me your minds, please. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Comma. Does it stop there? No. And then once you have learned to love him with all of your heart, then move on to loving him with all your soul. Then move on to loving him with all your mind, your decisions. Then move on to loving him with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. I want you to notice the first place the Lord wanted us to manifest our love towards him was in our heart. And this is not talking about the muscle in our chest that beats and sends blood coursing through our veins, but rather the heart is talking about our emotions. I want you to see that loving God by submitting our emotions to him 
is the very first level, the entry level, the basic level of love demonstration that we can show to the Lord. And yet, how many saints of God have yet to progress towards loving God with their souls, with their minds, and with their strengths simply because they're still allowing their emotions to be what sets the tone. Their emotions drive the direction of their life instead of submitting their emotions in the fear of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. So what does this look like? It looks like something happens in their life and their emotional response to whatever that happening was governs their thoughts. Their emotions dictate their thoughts. Their emotions dictate their direction. They go, they do. Why? Because they're emotional. And they have yet to have the fear of the Lord control their emotions. So their emotions is what controls them. And it controls their decisions and it controls their actions. And it it controls what they do. Oh, hallelujah. See, this is why, this is why people can, can feel, and I've had it 25 years of full-time ministry. People come to me and it's like, I know God's, and they're crying and they're weeping and I feel a witness in my spirit. They tell me, they say, God told me such and such. And then two months later, they come to me and say, you know, I don't think I'm gonna do that anymore. Like God has got a multi, you know, some personality disorder. That he's, one moment he says this, and the next day he says this, and the next day he says this. God is not the author of confusion. He wouldn't tell you to do something on this day, and then a week and a half later tell you to do something completely contrary. But what happened? Something happened in their life, and they allowed emotion. Come on, Jesus. They allowed emotion to begin to dictate them and now they're beginning to make decisions based on what they feel instead of what God said to them because they have a God consciousness but they do not fear the voice of God, the commands of God, and the word of God. Instead of allowing the one who sits on the circle of the earth govern them, they allow emotion. Because of this, they never progress past this purely emotional relationship with the Lord in order to get to the place where they could truly fear Him with reverence and awe. Because it's so superficial, it's so shallow. They never get to the deep place of true reverence. They have a God consciousness. For out of their emotion, as I said, they seek him. Out of their emotion, they pray 
to him. Out of their emotional response to their current circumstance, they reach out to the Lord. But eventually, emotions fade. And eventually, emotions change. And eventually, their emotions move and look different than what they look today and their lack of true reverence and their lack of true and sincere awe of God and submission to his righteousness keeps them at this place of having a God consciousness merely and it's based solely on their emotion and so it is that they stay at this lowest level of relationship with the Lord. Now, I hesitated to say this next point, but I do feel as if I should. Because I feel like I need to give somebody some insight that would be honest enough with yourself today to say, you know what, that's, that's the state I live in. The state you just described, preacher, that's the state I live in. That's where I'm at. I have a God consciousness. I come to God when I need something, but I kind of forget all about God when I don't need anything, and that's why I can only come to service, you know, twice a month and feel okay because I don't have an awe of him. I don't have a reverence of him. And it's just kind of, you know, I give him leftovers. I give him when it's convenient. I give him what's comfortable. But if it's not and I want to do something else, I'll go do something else because I have a God consciousness. I'm aware when I'm in the church, I'll feel his presence. I might even speak in tongues, but then I probably won't be here for a couple weeks because I don't have a God Fear of God. I'm probably not going to get plugged in. I'm probably not going to get on board. I'm probably not going to be faithful. I'm probably not going to be used in my giftings and my callings. I'm probably not going to get committed. I'm probably not going to be used in ministry because I don't want those extra uh, responsibilities on me because I want to do what I want to do. And yet I like to feel his presence. And I want him in my family because I, I got kids or I got whatever. And when I I know we're going to have issues from time to time, and I want to be able to have someone to go to to bail me out. You wouldn't say that, but that's what we feel. I want to be able to have someone who has more power than I have to be able to call on in the dark days so that he'll help me through my issues. But I don't really want to give him all of who I am because I like doing what I want to do. And if there's somebody in the room who would admit that that's kind of where you are, that's why it is, I want you to hear me very carefully, that's why it is that many times God will not answer your prayer. That's the reason why those kind of people always seem to be in crisis. I'm helping you now. That's the reason why those kind of people always seem to have something going on negative in their lives. Issue after issue after issue. For it is just possible that God knows that it is only in crisis when your emotions are greatly affected that you cry out to him. So he sees to it that you frequently remain in crisis. 
that very well could be why he hasn't fixed your issue yet. Why he hasn't performed your miracle yet. Simply because he knows that once he does, you won't want anything to do with him. Once he was your little genie in the bottle and gave you your three wishes, you're going to toss the bottle to the side and not pick it up for months at a time. Somebody in the room says, or maybe thinking, well, that, that sounds like a cruel, that sounds like a cruel God to me. Really? You tell me, is it more loving for a God to fix someone's issue when he knows that they will then want nothing to do with him and have a greater possibility of going to hell? Or for him to not fix their issue, keep them in a place of crisis because that's where they choose to live and they refuse to move to a deeper place of fearing the Lord and because they refuse to do that, he said, okay, I will operate with you, deal with you at the level you choose to live. I don't want you to live at this level. It was the first level I gave you to love me with your heart. That was the first level. I didn't, I wanted you to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I wanted you to get to a place where you had a fear of me. But because you disregarded uh, what I wanted for you, I'm going to allow you to do what you want to do. And then I will have relationship with you and deal with you in the level that you have chosen to live. So if this is the level you want to stay at, then I'm going to make sure there is constant crisis. Because in your crisis, you call out to me. Come on, Jesus. In your crisis, you run to me. In your crisis, you want something to do with me. You read your word in crisis. You show up to church in crisis. You pray in crisis. And because you're the one that chooses to live at that level, then I'm forced to deal with you in love at the place you've chosen. But the point that God would desire to speak to us today is that it is not his will for any of us to live at that level. He wants us to fear, revere, be in awe of him. Now, I felt to say all of that to hopefully help someone progress in their relationship with the Lord. But I also said those things in order to help us as a church to get greater revelation of what God is desiring to do in us. For here's what the Holy Ghost would speak to the church. Psalms 34 and 7. The angel of the Lord. The angels of heaven 
encampeth round about them that fear him. Mm, come on. And they deliver them. The reason why it is so important for you and I to have a fear of the Lord, reverence of God, all of who he is, is because when we do, it causes angels to literally take up a position of defense and protection Roundabout. Ah. Bigger, it's bigger, it's bigger, it's bigger, it's bigger. How many times have you heard the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, but we need revelation, we need understanding of how this all connects to the heavenly dimensions, to angelic hosts. I realize we have not talked a lot about these subjects, angelic subjects and angels in the past, but I have a feeling we may be doing more of it. This is some stuff that God has unlocked, unlocked in my spirit. And I am seeking greater revelation and greater understanding of these things. But I want you to notice that the word here used is encampeth. The angels of the Lord encampeth. Round about them that fear, fear, fear. Not just having God consciousness of them. Angels are not attracted to people who just have a God consciousness around them. They are attracted to people who fear God like they fear God. Campus. Which means that it is perpetually in campus. Perpetual. Ongoing, <laughs> taking place. That lets us know that as long as we keep ourselves in this place of fearing the Lord, that in turn, those angels are going to maintain their position of defense round about us. Oh, hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do. This is, this teaching on angels is, even just talking about it, I just, I feel a little something in the room. I want us to lift our hands right now. Lift your hands right now. If you're plugged into the moving of the Holy Ghost, I want you to release liberty in the room right now. I want you to release liberty in the room and I want you to bind fear and doubt.
Now listen, please. I mean, you know, the, the devil is so subtle in his lies. He is so subtle in his lies. He, he's the father of lies. I mean, he's really good at it. And Brother Ron, I didn't realize, I, I started getting some revelation in the last day or two, but even just right now, I realized I've been believing a lie. Specifically in regards, is it okay if I go on this journey with you? I got to learn some stuff too, all right? Specifically in regards to this subject of angels, and here's what the lie was, Pastor Tim. Here's what the lie was. I'd go to some conferences and camp meetings and different things, and I would see people get up in the podium and they would say, God is in this room. And people would be like, yeah. But if somebody would get up in the pulpit and they would say, I feel angels in this room, the place would. And I saw that, Brother Ron, and I saw that a couple of different times. And I knew that is not right. That is not right to elevate angels and respond to angels being present greater than we would respond to God being present. And I knew that was not correct, and I knew that was not biblical, and I knew that was not right. Because angels are created beings. Why would we get more excited about a created being than we do the creator? Here's the lie. I allowed myself to maybe go back too far on the pendulum. And I just now got revelation of this. Because in my, what I thought to be my spirituality of wanting to make sure that we guard against any kind of uh, teaching or understanding or response where angels in any way could be elevated above God, we probably just didn't talk about it at all. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And it is the will of God. He created angels for purpose. You can't read the New Testament without seeing angelic involvement in the New Testament church. So we're going to have it in its proper place in the sense that we're never going to put angels above the one who created them. But I think God's put, putting us on a journey where we see more angelic interaction with this church. Encampeth, mm. encampeth, perpetually, ongoing, as long as we remain in this place of having a fear of the Lord, angels say, we'll stay. We're comfortable here. You just keep living. You just keep fearing God, and we'll keep protecting. We'll keep defending. Uh -huh. They need to have, now hear me. And, and we could do a 12-part, and we may, on the, just this point alone. 
But the reason they encampeth perpetually is because they have found a heavenly environment in an earthly context. Heaven is what they're used to. It is what they are accustomed to. And when they find a heavenly environment in an earthly context, an earthly life, they say, we're comfortable here. We'll stay right here. Oh, hallelujah. So this is why it is so important that we maintain the fear of the Lord. Now, the 12-week 12 12 series would go something like this, very possibly, that to have a heavenly environment in an earthly context, in that earthly context, there can't be division, unsubmission, hatred, envy, strife. The lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life. None of those things are found in heaven. Come on, somebody. So if we want angels to be dispatched from heaven to our locale and to feel comfortable to encampeth perpetual, ongoing defense and protection over us and our families and our homes, we need to make sure that how we are living is pleasing to him. And what do you do? How do you know what to change in order to live like heaven wants you to live? You have a fear of the Lord. Because when you fear him, respect him, honor him, you honor, respect, and revere his word and do what it tells you to do. Come on, somebody. Woo. You see, now all of a sudden, as I'm, as I'm teaching this, even lies are, that I've been believing are coming and revelation is coming. Do you think it's accidental that we just came through a series on repentance and all of a sudden God is able to talk to us about angels? Come on, it's not accidental that he would begin to speak to us about not just a trip to an altar of repentance, but a lifestyle of repentance. Because a trip to an altar of repentance allows an angel to stay for a moment, but a lifestyle of repentance allows the angel to encampeth roundabout. Who is it that would have a desire to have a lifestyle of repentance? It is an individual that fears the Lord. 
It is an individual that has a respect for God and says, God, I don't want to do anything you don't want me to do. And I don't want to go anywhere you don't want me to go. And I don't want to look at anything you don't want me to look at. And I don't want to listen to anything you don't want me to listen to. And I don't want to think any way you don't want me to think. And I don't want to connect myself to anything you don't want me to connect myself with. Why? Because I revere you. I honor you. I've got a fear of your holiness and of your righteousness and that fear puts us in a place where God can then say now now I couldn't do it before but now I dispatch angels to your home I'm going to dispatch angels to your life I'm going to dispatch angels to encampeth round about and as long as you maintain the fear of the Lord the angels will stay come on somebody praise him right now Let me tell you, men, listen to me, men. You're not the spiritual leader of the home because you're a man. You're the spiritual leader of the home because you're spiritual. And if you're not spiritual, you're not the spiritual leader of the home. That doesn't mean that that's not what God desires for you to be. It's not, that does not mean that God, that's not what God has positioned and called you to be. It just means you're not fulfilling the role he's called you to fulfill. I don't know why I feel to say this, but hear me. Don't tell your wife, this is what we're going to do because I'm the spiritual leader of the home. If you got all kind of stuff hidden... go ahead and clean out the stuff that's hidden, then you'll become spiritual, then you can be the spiritual leader of the home. But the point I want to make to some men in this room is this, you can't protect your family like God can protect your family. And you can't cover your family like God can cover your family. And you can't encampeth about your family like what he can do. So men, instead of just resting on our laurels and upon our biblical mandate to be a spiritual leader, let's actually be a spiritual leader and fear the Lord. Don't question why your kids don't fear him if you don't fear him. Don't question why your kids don't want anything to do with God if you don't want anything to do with God. Don't question why your kids aren't worshipers if you're not a worshiper. Don't question why your kids aren't givers, why your kids don't have a response to the presence of the Lord. You look over them and everybody else is praying and crying and weeping and your kids are just sitting there. It's probably because you're just sitting there. And I'm not being mean, I'm trying to help you right now. 
Because if you would get an understanding to say, you know what, it's no longer about what I want and what I feel and what I think. It's so hard for a man. It's not easy for a woman to submit, but in her natural makeup, it is easier. It is harder for a man to submit. Is that fair? And so as a man, you have to get to the point where you submit your life to the fear of the Lord because you can't protect your family, bless your family, provide for your family like God can. I want you to get an understanding of what I'm talking about today, men and husbands, because if you would have a fear of the Lord, and you would maintain that fear of the Lord. Angels. Will come around your little babies. And around your family. And around your home. And there ain't a devil in hell that can touch you. What does it look like in practice? I'll tell you what it looks like in practice. It looks like next Sunday when you want to stay home, you say, no, 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 no. I want to keep my angels right where they are. And tomorrow when the temptation comes for you to go do the thing that you used to do in hiding and don't tell nobody about, in that moment you rebuke that temptation and it will flee from you. Why? Because you have a feeling that says, I want to keep my angels right where they are. I want to keep my angels right where they are. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can sin. Yeah, I can fail. Yeah, I can be disobedient. Yeah, I can be disrespectful. Yeah, I can be uncommitted. Yeah, I can be unfaithful. But I don't want to be. Why? I want to keep my angels right. Listen, man, I'm going to challenge you right now. You say you love your wife. Do you love your wife and your kids enough to fear the Lord? Well, preacher, you just don't know nothing. I love my wife. I love my kids. I don't doubt that you love them to some degree, but do you love them enough to fear the Lord with your heart so as to open the windows of heaven and allow God to command angels to come and to protect them in a way that you could never protect them? Not only do angels protect and defend, the book says this in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, are they not, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? They are commanded beings. They do not do what they want to do. They do what God tells them to do. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. The angels of the Lord are sent forth by God at our time of need. So listen, there's a lot about this stuff I don't know. But apparently it looks like there's different ranks and there's different roles in the angelic world. Because apparently it looks like there is a classification of angels that will just encamp round about you to defend and then there is a class of angels that when we need something, the Lord says, go. 
and for a point, for a specific purpose. Some angels just encamp around to protect us 24 hours a day, seven days a week as we fear the Lord. But others have a divine, specific purpose for which they have been If God has promised it to us, why would we not want it? If it's not in the book, then let's throw it out and not talk about it anymore. But I just have a feeling that it's in the book. And if it's in the book, then I want it. And yes, I haven't thought about it a lot, nor taught on it a lot, nor even had much dealings with it in my own life, but I want it, I want it, I want it. If God has it for us, if it is a tool in the apostolic arsenal of heaven, then I want that tool. I want that protection. I want that. Angel was sent and delivered out of prison. Angel was sent and gave direction on how to defeat the cities. The angel was sent to give revelation to Joseph that what is in Mary's womb. Revelation, the angel was sent to drive out the enemy. Angels were sent to protect. And I believe it is the will of God for this church to become more in tune with the angelic host. It is the will of God, and I'm almost done. Stay with me for these next few moments, all right? It is the will of God to live in such a spiritual position where the eyes of heaven are continually upon us. And at every point of need that we face, the Lord feels comfortable. Go. Go. Do this, this, and that. Accomplish this, this, and that. I believe it is the will of God for this church to begin seeing and encountering angels on a more regular basis. You say, well, see, I even feel in this room right now. There are people in this room, they're like, ooh, you're getting spooky now. You're getting weird. You're getting spooky, all this. Listen, let's just read the New Testament and see how many encounters our New Testament brothers and sisters had with angels. And if they saw it, I want to see it. And I don't want to see an angel more than I want to see God. I am, I, I'm, I'm going to get way more excited about the presence of God than I'm ever going to get excited about the presence of an angel. But if this is something that God desires to give to the church, then why wouldn't we want it? Why wouldn't we want it? In fact, I believe very strongly the Lord spoke to me and said that he desires to release angels in this room today to accomplish definitive purpose, not just in the room for whatever reason, but to send for definitive purpose. Somebody said amen. I'm skipping some stuff. I'm coming to a close. Because if he can find a people that would fear him, revere him, honor him, respect him, be in awe of him. Here is the biblical reality and the biblical promise 
that would come to that individual. You ready? Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. He honors him, respects him, has a fear of the Lord. Dwells, dwells in the secret place. He don't tap into it on a Sunday. He dwells there. He loves the Lord so much, has such a reverence for him in that deep secret place. It is a deep awe, a deep reverence, a deep connection. He doesn't just tap in the spirit, he lives in the spirit. He walks in the spirit. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is. So this individual then has the authority. It says, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid. There's so much fear in our world. But he said, if you have this fear of me, you won't fear anything else. <laughs> Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. So you don't have to be worried about the attack that comes in the day, and you don't have to be worried about the attack that comes at night. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to you. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. You're the most high. I honor you. I fear you. Because your fear of him is not just something you tap into, but it is a habitation. It is who you are. It is how you live. Because of that, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. How, how, how is this all going to happen? Because of the fear of the Lord. And then he says, verse 11, for he shall give his How is all of that going to happen? How am I going to be protected by the enemy in the noonday and the enemy at night? How am I going to be protected against the things of fear? How am I going to be protected about all of those things and covered and they're going to fall by my left and by my right, but I'm not going to be touched? How is it all going to happen? It's going to happen because you have your habitation in him. He is the most high. You fear him. And as you fear him, he in turn will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear thee up. They who, the angels, shall bear thee up in their hands. 
lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now listen, obviously this is all, they're trying to, the Lord is trying to paint a picture in the natural dimension of what is going to happen in the spiritual realm, the spiritual dimension. And so he's trying to, he's likening it as an individual who is just walking down the street. But all of a sudden there is an impediment. All of a sudden there is an obstruction. All of a sudden there is something there that would do them harm. Thank you. Listen, if he would have seen the stone, he could have stepped over. Brother Josiah, this lets me know it's talking about stuff we can't. And here's what happens. As we're going, as we're walking about our day and just going throughout the course of our day, and we're just making our way through life. If he is our habitation and if we have a fear of the Lord, some things we can see and the things we can see, we are to resist and run from those things. But there's some things we cannot see. And in the moment we cannot see it as we're just walking, all of a sudden in the spirit, the angels say, no. And they pick you up. And they set you down. And you just can't. Didn't even know it, Brother Rima. Didn't even know it was there. Didn't even know it happened. Went to bed that night. You had no clue of what the heavenly angels protected you from. You had no idea the car accident. You had no idea the sickness. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Brother Rima, I'll tell you what I feel. I, I feel this to be true. I believe when we get to heaven, if we care to ask, I believe if we ask the Lord, He'll reveal to us a list of sicknesses and diseases that we had that we never knew we had. If we ask him, he'll show us many opportunities that would have brought destruction, many opportunities that would have brought death, many opportunities that would have taken our kids from us. But because somebody said, I'm going to fear the Lord. Because I'm going to fear the Lord. Those angels said, no, no, no. There's something you don't see right here. You're not going to see it. You're not going to know. You're not even going to know what happened. We're just going to go ahead and pick you up. We're going to go ahead and pick your little girl up. We're going to go ahead and pick your boy up. We're going to go ahead and pick your family up. We're going to... We're going to cause that person to turn, that drunk driver to turn right and start to turn left. We're going to cause your battery to not start so that 20 minutes later it will start. But it protected you from something. We're going to lift you up. We're going to lift you up. Why wouldn't we want that in our lives? Why wouldn't we want that operating in our families? Why would we not want that operating in our church? Stand to your feet and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Listen, 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 listen. 
I keep coming back to the men. For some reason, I think it's God flows through authority. God flows through authority. A real awe of him shows up in how you respond to him. You allow the president, some dignitary to walk into this room, man, you, there is going to be a response. If you truly fear the Lord, are in awe of the Lord, it's going to show up in how you respond. Listen again, I'm not being mean or cruel. I'm not beating you up. I'm trying to help you. Don't tell me you fear the Lord and you can be in his presence and not be moved. What is it? That's God conscious. If all you have is a God consciousness, you can be in his presence and not be moved because you have an understanding that he's here, but you don't have a drive to respond. You know he's here. You feel him. You can see it on other people's hearts and on other people's lives and on the faces of other people, but you personally don't have anything within you that is pulling you, pulling you, pulling you to respond powerfully to the presence of the Lord because it is a God consciousness and not a fear of God. So here's what I feel to do. In just a moment, I'm going to open up this altar. And I feel like the Lord would speak to us as a church that he would desire for there to be a renewal of the fear of the Lord. He said, no, no, well, I want the angels. <laughs> See, that's the problem. We want stuff without first doing stuff. We want the angels because of what the angels will give to us. That's God consciousness. We want something. God fearing says, what do I do to position myself in the fear of the Lord to live there and inhabit that place so that the angels that will be round about me will not just be 30 minutes on a Sunday, but when I leave, they'll be with me. And when I wake up in the morning, they'll be with me. And Tuesday, they'll be with me. And Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Because it's not just what I can get from an angel. It's not just what God can give me through an angelic being for this moment, for my particular need. It is about dwelling. So I'm asking right now. I'm asking right now, everybody, if you've been in this church for 60 minutes or 60 years, I want you to come to the front. I'm going to open up, the, open up this altar right now. <laughs> 